3: And enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com/slash no girls, code no girls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control. Enter Conair GirlBomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.
0: You're listening to Disinformed, a miniseries from There Are No Girls on the Internet. I'm Bridget Todd. You might know attorney Rabia Shadri from her role in the case of Adnan Saeed. Adnan was convicted of first-degree murder for the death of Hei Min Lee, a high school student in Baltimore who was last seen on January 13, 1999. Lee's family remains convinced of Adnan's guilt, but he maintains his innocence, and Rabia has been fighting to exonerate him. She brought his story to investigative journalist Sarah Koenig, which became the hit true crime podcast Serial. Rabia hosts her own true crime podcast called Undisclosed, where she and her co-hosts, who are also lawyers, explore wrongful convictions. Now, even though there's literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, the podcast community can be kind of small. We see each other at events and conferences. And right now, Rabia is facing a coordinated harassment campaign from another podcaster. Now, talking about this kind of online harassment is tricky, and it's so easy to do it irresponsibly. When we talk about harassment we're often centering the harasser and their tactics. The experience of the person who has been harassed, how they're feeling and how it shapes their work and their perspective, can often go overlooked or not mentioned at all. So I don't want to do that. And honestly, the person harassing Rabia does not need a bigger spotlight. But I do need to tell you the broad strokes of what's going on to make clear the full weight of how harassment can impact our real lives. I believe Rabia is at the center of a dangerous coordinated harassment campaign being orchestrated by Mike Boudet, the host of Sword & Scale, a popular and successful true crime podcast. On his website, Mike sells merchandise with the slogan, Adnan Did It, a reference to Rabia's relationship with Adnan. He's encouraged his followers to show up at her public speaking events. Stuff that is just super scary. Stuff that makes me concerned for Rabia's actual safety. If you check out the verified Twitter page for Sword & Scale, you can see a little of what I mean. Mike's podcast is really popular, and he has a huge fan base. And this is another reason why talking about online harassment is kind of tricky. No one wants to be on the radar of someone who's a harasser. Other members of the true crime podcast community have talked about being afraid to speak up because of the behavior they've seen from him. No one wants to wake up and find a flood of hateful comments directed at you on social media or a flood of one-star reviews on your podcast. But this is also how harassment festers, People don't speak up, and they don't call it out for what it is. In doing research for this episode, an article about what Rabia is going through described her as having a feud with Mike Boudet. A feud is a difference of opinion. A feud might be tense exchanges on social media. A feud is not when one person is concerned with their actual safety. That's harassment, and we need to talk about the way it impacts our work and
4: our lives. I was in law school, um, when, when the, the best friend of my younger brother was arrested non say in 1999. And that has kind of gotten me, um, you know, it was just one of those things where I witnessed it up close and personal. I was there in his trial when he was convicted and I just witnessed the horror of, of all of it. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I had no idea what the criminal justice system was like until what happened with Adnan. And our community also was pretty naive. So that's what really um, drew me in and kept me there all these years. He's still incarcerated, as most people know. Um, But from his case, my my work has stemmed out um, into doing other wrongful conviction work for the last six, seven years. That's been the focus of my work.
0: Yeah. You know, I read this great quote from your mom. She says, your time in this world is really limited. What are you going to do with it? And something about that, first of all, your mom sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She's a force to be reckoned with for sure. Something about that quote that really struck me was this idea that you are doing very important work, you know, legitimately life and death work, you know, working with people who have been incarcerated, all of that. This is important stuff. And, you know, we only have so much time in a day and so much time on this world and and so much energy that we, that we can expend. And so to see somebody like you going through harassment campaigns, do you ever feel that this, these kinds of campaigns are kind of deliberately meant to distract you from this important work that you actually have to do?
4: Yeah. You know, I have been through, I mean, numerous, um, very intense uh, kind of uh, onslaughts um, like in, in different, different, Times in my life for different reasons, so different groups who want to attack me for different reasons, and um, I think the first time I went through it, uh, really, really, it was really terrible. It was around the time Serial came out, actually, um, but it wasn't so much related to Serial; it was related to some of the interfaith work I did. And I spent—I um, learned my lesson because I spent about three months trying to respond to everything, not realizing that how trolling works and how harassment works. Um, then I, when I realized, first of all, I w- I felt I was sick. I was exhausted. I was physically, I had gotten really sick over that time, just from the strain of it. Um, then I, the realization hit me that, you know, what they want me to do is not to function. They want me to, and they're winning because I'm spending all my time. Like, you know, it's like that whack-a-mole game, right? Like trying to respond to this thing and you respond to this thing and they come at you with another thing. I'm like, Oh, this is brilliant you're keeping me wrapped up in this crazy and I'm wasting my time and my health and my sanity um and not doing my work. And so now I always think about it like that, but like, if this is preventing me from doing my work, they're winning. Um And so a hundred percent, it's a distraction. A hundred percent, what people who harassing you online want to do is to make sure you cannot actually function.
0: Yeah. All the women that I talk to who face, you know, intense harassment, that's something that they talk about. That's something that a lot of their situations have in common that, and at, the, at one point, they, you know, they are trying to respond to everything and really engaged. And then they realize they're spending all their time focusing on the harassment. So whatever the thing is, whether it was justice work like you or activist work or writing, they are spending more time trying to respond to the trolls, which they will never be able to satisfy because right. that's sort of the trip of harassment. They're spending more time on that than they are sort of doing the thing that is their purpose. And I, I believe that really is one of the, the, purposes of this kind of harassment. It's to keep powerful women or quote mouthy women or women who, you know, are, can could accomplish something to keep it's to keep us from accomplishing whatever it is that we're like meant to be doing on this earth.
4: Yeah. There's that, there's that aspect of it. And then there there's the aspect of they want you to like they wanted to drag you down to their level. They're they're punching up in almost every case. They're punching up. They want your attention. They want relevance. So your attention gives them relevance. Otherwise they are irrelevant, essentially.
0: That's so true, it's so true. And I, and I know in your case, I can't help but wonder if part of the reason why some of the folks who really have like an obsession with you and your work, part of it is because you're very successful, you're very effective at what you do, and that makes them even more angry. You know, it, it is kind of a, an attempt to drag you down to their level because you're so successful because they know you can be so effective.
4: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, I um m- most recently in the last couple of years, the attacks have been coming from um this one particular podcaster and he's he's actually an incredibly successful podcaster. Which is what's shocking about uh, this particular situation is like, dude, you he he might be much more successful in the sense of um I mean in in one metric, which is like I think he probably makes a lot more money than uh what me and my team make doing the work that we do, but the metric that's important for us is like the, the value of our work and the value of our work is, are we able to help exonerate the people whose cases we're working on? And, um, and basically just be able to pay, cover our costs so we can do it. So it doesn't cost anything to the defendant uh, because for, for most incarcerated people, they can't afford uh, the appeals. They can't afford the reinvestigation. We're able to cover those costs. So by that metric, my work is more, I would say much more meaningful. Um, maybe that's bothersome to 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 some people. But I can't say that I'm the most successful podcaster in the sense that like we're not minting money over here, you know. <laughs> we're not. We're not. Girl neither am I. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, sometimes I wish the kind of work that you're producing was valued in that same way. It can be a little bit frustrating.
4: Sometimes I'm like, man, I could be doing like the kind of true crime podcast that you can just knock out like in an hour or so and just get online and chat with somebody about some case, but our show is for every hour that we air, we're talking about hundreds of hours of prep of maybe two years, lead time of invest two years of investigation before we can air a case. So wow. it's very, very intensive. And, but at the end of the day, that's what, uh, that it's purposeful. And, and that's what I can do. That's what I do best. I don't do well. What other people do, right? I can't do true crime punk, comedy and I can't do other things, but this is what I do. And so, you know, as long as we're able to cover our costs um and provide this really as a service to the people who whose cases we're looking at we're going to continue to do it
0: talking about this in terms of being in the podcast industry you know one of the people who is waging a, a, a targeted harassment campaign against you is a very popular podcaster mike boudet and i think that it's hard for me to watch as a at like as a podcaster it's hard for me to watch the podcast industry and ecosystem still support this, and mm-hmm. you know one of the things I saw on your Twitter that I think is so correct is like people need to understand that if you listen to, if you if like when you listen to this podcast, this is what you're supporting. I think it can be really easy for listeners to say, "Oh, well, I'm just listening to the show, I don't know what's going on you know i don't i'm not I'm not quote following whatever's happening, but really it, it's been hard to see the silence. I would say from the podcast industry in terms of watching someone essentially harass a colleague, you know, I I think of all podcasters as kind of in the same, you know, the same club in a kind of right. way. It's been really hard. Yeah, you see. know,
4: there, there, and you know why though? Because, um, and then you're right. I mean, so we are. I, podcasting is a community. Podcast content creators. We are a community, and then you have your genres. So the true crime community is even a, a smaller subset of that. And many of us are. Cl- we see each other at different conferences and conventions. We su- we support each other's work. Uh, we're listeners. We listen to each other's shows. Um, so what I know, uh what i know for sure because uh we've we've people have confessed this to me privately they have said it publicly they have written about it is that the same person who i think he's i just think he's like a disturbed individual um many of them are afraid to really be public because when they have tried to push back publicly on any of his stuff da- he will come after them and he he does have a very big show and he has um a lot of followers and so he can really crush the smaller shows by flooding them with one star reviews by harassing them into like leaving social media um and so a lot, i've had people reach out and say i'm afraid to say anything but i just want you to know that you know I'm, I'm support you but i this guy scares me he's done this to me before like i mean it's like so um that's why but there are some folks who have like in a very public way stepped up in the last uh, couple of months and been like enough is enough right and and they have really condemned his behavior uh, and I appreciate that, but not everybody can afford to, and I completely understand that.
0: Yeah, that's so tough. And I think you you just articulated one of the the hallmarks of online harassment and abuse and, co- and coordinated harassment campaigns is that it really has a silencing effect, not just on the person that is targeted, but anyone who might want to, you know, stick up for that person, anyone who you know might want to challenge what's going on. It's such a big silencing effect, and I think that we don't talk enough about that as a speech issue, that the kind of people who, you know, were say like, oh, gee, well, I don't want to be too outspoken because I don't want what's happening to her to happen to me. I don't want it to be me next. I can't afford to have this kind of thing. So like, they, they don't speak up or they just leave social media altogether or they don't say the thing that they actually want to say. That is one of the hallmarks of online harassment campaigns that we just don't talk about. And truly, we, with all of the, you know, rigmarole about free speech and cancel culture, we need to start taking that more seriously as a speech issue because, you know, if, if an entire group of, you know, already marginalized content creators feel like they can't speak up and say what they want to say because they're terrified of, of this person, of one you know, person. coming <laughs> of one person, right. like that's, that's, that is not good. And we need yeah. to be talking about like, perhaps we have, perhaps it's a problem with our, our kind of media and, and digital media landscape, but also it's a wider problem about how how much space one person is allowed to take up, how how much how much that one person is allowed to dictate this entire community.
4: I mean, look, we we saw this um, in as big a way as possible with the former guy, the former guy who was in the White House. <laughs> um, so yeah, one person can have a lot of power. They can be very destructive. One person can be a complete wrecking ball. And mm-hmm. that's what this particular person is. He's a wrecking ball. But what's really crazy about the whole thing is that uh, he's mostly wrecking himself, right? Like in all of this, as he's scaring people and stuff, he's getting deep platforms, he's getting dropped by sponsors, getting dropped by his um his uh, his his different companies and uh, and at the end of the day, you know, the rest of us are still gonna be invited and show up to to different um spaces that uh, you know are relevant to our our work. And while well, he's kind of been ostracized for years. So it's not just, you know, I'm a target. Um, I think I'm a big target for him because I won't just take it and disappear. um, And it's frustrating to him. Uh, But um, most people just kind of quietly, like, you know, fade into the background. And so he stops attacking them after a while. Um, And, you know, for me also, what I realized was like, what gives people like that fuel is, is just attention. And so they're just starved for attention. And I assume purpose and meaning in their life. <laughs> and I don't have the time to give that to them because I got too much shit going on in my life. you know, I have too much work that's actually has an impact on people's lives that I got to do. I don't got time for it. Let's take a quick break.
0: Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me, Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete.me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete.me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash no girls and enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash no girls code no girls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. According to data from Amnesty International, women of color are disproportionately targeted for online harassment and abuse. And we see this playing out in all kinds of places. For instance, former President Donald Trump was known for lashing out at reporters of all stripes. But his worst, most vitriolic comments were always reserved for journalists who also happen to be Black women or women of color. Like White House correspondents Yamiche Alcindor, April Ryan, and Louis Ja And that his behavior toward them made them even bigger targets for abuse, precisely because they're women of color. Knowing this, it's not surprising that even though Mike has had issues with white male podcasters in the past, he isn't selling merchandise referencing their work on his website. And those men aren't being called out specifically by name in his podcast's official Twitter bio, like Rabia is. Rabia is far from the only podcaster who has criticized him, yet Mike has not threatened to make a daily podcast blaming those men if he's ever kicked off social media, but he's threatened to do that to Rabia. I also think part of it is that you're a woman of color. You know, the data is very clear that women of, yeah, like women of color, we are disproportionately targeted. I think that, you know, we, you said earlier that he has gone after other podcasters, white men. He's not making, you know, merchandise based around their work.
4: There are people, there are certain kinds of people, we know exactly who they are, that they cannot stand a woman of color, uh, like having any kind of backbone. They want us to be subservient. They want us to, they want us to be in our place. They want to put us in our place. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest triggers for this guy and for others like him is that who the hell does she think she is? Why isn't she like, you know, getting in her place where she needs to be. Um, and, uh, And, you know, but what do you do? I mean, like, we've seen this happen on a national stage. We've seen this happen with incredible Black female correspondents and journalists, um, you know, uh, coming from a presidential administration. So we've seen this happen in so many different ways. Um, And I think that's really a big part of why I am a particular target for this person.
0: I think that's so true. I think there's something about when a woman of color is outspoken, where people look at us and say... Who does she think she is? Yeah. Doesn't she know that she's supposed to just lie down and take it or immediately, you know, fall all over herself self-apologizing? The fact that you won't do that, I think it just, it, it triggers something very ugly inside of a certain kind of person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When these kinds of harassment campaigns, the kind of thing that you've gone through or happening, so many people and institutions that actually have power do nothing. And I think that that's another hallmark of this kind of harassment that we see. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh. Social, like I was, you know, t- on Twitter, uh, this person's podcast has a verified account. You know, we know that deplatforming is a very effective way of curbing harassment, and yet, you know, social media platforms seem to be doing nothing. You know, we see journalists describe what's happening to you as a quote feud, as if you, as if you two are just sort of having some kind of a a sparring match, and that this is not a pretty intense and serious coordinated online harassment campaign against you. You know, what is it like to see? so many institutions and people with power really do nothing to curb this when they could
4: i mean it's not surprising we've seen this so many times especially with women i mean we've seen this in so many different um like you know different controversies that have taken place with women getting harassed and and, and making it public and you know it's uh, they gaslight you so it's like if you, if I'm being attacked and harassed, whether it's in my DMs, it's my emails, it's all coming from the same source. However, it's happening. If I call attention to it in order to get some kind of response from these platforms, um, then people say, "Well, why are that?" Then it becomes a feud. They they frame it like it's a feud, and it's not a feud. It's me calling attention to his behavior. Um, And if you don't say anything and you just take it, I mean, I guess that's kind of what they want. Just don't take it and and take it, but these platforms, they don't really do anything. What is effect? What has been more effective is, just asking people to just report, um, certain posts and tweets and stuff. Some get removed, some don't get removed. I mean, free speech first amendment is what it is. I guess we have the legal right to be as ugly as you want. I think I hit my, um, I kind of hit my limit when there were people, um, His followers and his mentions, and he's like kind of encouraging, he's encouraging people to go to like my speaking events to like find me in real life. Uh, and then he had people saying things like, Hopefully, she'll get murdered herself. Hopefully, Adnan will. Then I was like, This has gone like too far. And that's when I really, that's when I finally kind of posted. I said, I have called on Twitter and Facebook to deplatform him. This is the kind of stuff he's saying and encouraging, and they won't. And if something happens to me or my family, then they are they. You know, they also need to be held responsible.
0: Yeah, I mean, the kind of things that I've seen, I've seen. You know, people. I'll see people be like, "Oh, well, she should just block him if she doesn't like what he has to say." He's
4: blocked. I mean, yeah, it's like,
0: <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's like getting people to understand that this is not just something that is happening, like quote unquote, on Twitter or on the computer. I very genuinely sometimes worry for your safety in real life, and everything that we know about online harassment. But even if it starts online, it doesn't stay online, and very often it's connected to real-world violence. And so I, I am I when I see the kinds of things that he's encouraging his followers to do, I get very like concerned for your actual safety. Yeah,
4: yeah, I've had my moments of concern. I mean, I think um, he it just takes one unhinged person to think I got to do something about this, you know? Especially because the way he particularly frames it is. I mean, this, it's such. I mean, like you, you see, you, we've seen this technique unfold, like online, um, like with the elections, right? So what Trump said was that these people are harming our elections. What this guy says is this woman is shutting down my podcast. I mean, he's got an incredibly successful podcast. So I'm not shutting anything down. Um, he's continuing to produce, and I've gotten messages from from people from men saying, um, if you if if he ends up losing his podcast because of you, I'm going to come get you, kind of wow. stuff for a podcast, right? Like. So the way he's framing it is to basically target uh, is to direct people's um, rage towards me in case like, you know, so they can like take out take out revenge or something in case like, you know, he stops making a show, which he's not going to. But and on top of which, everything that he's lost in terms of sponsors and it's it's been 100 percent him.
0: More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
0: Let's get right back into it. In 2019, after Mike celebrated International Women's Day by posting a really gross meme about violence against women on social media, people in the podcast community spoke up. And Wondery, Sword and Scales Network, eventually announced they were parting ways with the show. Mike vowed to keep the show running without the support of the network, tweeting, anything that was ad-supported is over now because of Aaron Mankey from Lore and Rabia from Undisclosed. Who led this boycott against me and my company because they didn't like certain things I said? But that tweet pretty conveniently leaves out any responsibility for the consequences of his
4: own actions. Like it's his own <laughs> actions that have caused it, and uh, he won't take responsibility uh, for his behavior. So, yeah, I mean, but there's only so much, you know. I did report um, the I did report the harassment to law enforcement, but you know, we also don't have very strong cyber stalking laws and stuff in this country. There's only so much you can do to protect yourself, and other than that, it's kind of like okay, try to keep my family safe, you know. Got got security cameras up, got alarm system, things like that. But I, what can I do if you know once COVID is lifted and I'm out uh, in the public again? I I always did a lot of traveling and speaking, and and uh, and and I'm, I have a new book coming out next year, and I'll be probably traveling for that. And it is what it is. I can't like hide, right?
0: Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of this is preventing you from living your life, from doing your work, from making your living, you know, especially as kind of public content creators, like that kind of thing. You do have to have a fair amount of like public stuff, whether it's appearances or, t- or speaking engagements or conferences or panels or whatever to to do that. And so the way that this is really, it, like would really make it difficult for you to be able to do that without wondering in the back of your head, like is today the day that some, you know, some listener of his takes matters into his own hands, it's preventing you from being able to live life the way that you want to live your life. And I think that that's something that people really forget about this kind of harassment is that it's not just online, it's in real life as well.
4: Oh, it is. I mean, 100%. I, um, But at the same time, I mean, like, you know, and I've had to process through this with my own lawyer and and people who are close to me and um, that I turn to for advice. That you know, it's actually not going to happen. I'm not going to change the way I live my life, um, other than just taking some general precautions. I'm going to continue, going to continue do the work. I'm going to continue to travel and speak. I mean, I I speak to a lot of law schools and law firms and um and universities about this work. It, and that's the kind of stuff that helps scale it up. You know, you get people to support the work. You get students saying, "I want to go to law school now." Um, and so yeah, I'm going to continue to do it at at, at the end of the day. Um, And it it is what it is. I mean, like, there's just, you know, I I, look, I'm also a religious person. I'm a person of faith. And I I firmly believe that when your time is written, it's written. When it's supposed to come, it's supposed to come. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, like there's just kind of no avoiding it. So when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But, you know, but of course you don't want it to happen because of something as ridiculous and stupid as something like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think something that you said is so touching. Knowing that you are going to continue to inspire so many, it's like you're building this little army of people who are inspired to follow in your footsteps and follow in your legacy and continue to create that kind of justice. You know, the impact that you will have on so many people is so big, and your voice can be so big. And the idea that this one asshole could stop it (laughs) is obviously he couldn't, right? Like, you're like the impact that you can have that you have is so much bigger than anything that this person could ever, you know, dream up to try to stop it, I feel. Yeah. You know, it,
4: I kind of laugh about it sometimes, um, when he, he posts things about Adnan's case or other aspects of the work. And I'm like, I'm an attorney. I've been doing this for like 20 odd years. I have my, I have a team of attorneys I work with. I work with the Innocence Project across the country on cases and this completely unqualified, you know, <laughs> White guy, right? Like this completely qualified guy thinks that he has the same like skill set or or even has the same like he's he's so entitled that he feels like his opinion is equal to my expertise. I mean, like really? Um, and I think that probably drives me crazy, too. I mean, like, is the fact that I'm, i I want to be like, listen, go to law school. <laughs> spend about 10, 15 years doing innocence work. And then let's talk about this case. Like, you know, you have a completely unformed opinion. You're, you can't come close to like my, you know, the work that I do because you don't have the experience. I'm sure he's great at what he does. I can't do what he does. I will never do what he does and he can't do what I do as uh, simple as that. And so it's just like apples and oranges. And I think what it is is he thinks, Oh, she's got a true crime podcast. My podcast is a means to an end. Um, the po- the whole point of the podcast is i could end the podcast tomorrow as long as i could find a way to financially support the work of of helping people um get back in court right who have been incarcerated for 20 30 years the podcast is just a way to do that that's not the work the work is the other work that i do outside of the recording studio yeah that's
0: something i love about your work is that it's not just so many folks like and not to not to crap on them but the work begins and ends in the podcast studio and you are out there making,
4: like doing the actual work, yeah. making the yeah. actual difference. And, and I love those just- too. I listen to them all the time. I love, I love the, those kinds of, sh- I love all kinds of shows. I mean, that's, you know, I love investigative stuff, but this is what I do. And so I, uh, you know, I, what I think is kind of interesting is like um, his, he's calling on his followers and other people who attack me to, to try and stop. Like, I want to be like, you really want st- to you really want to prevent a person from doing the kind of work I'm doing? Like, that in, in itself is, like, almost evil. <laughs> mm. It's like if I was handing out water bottles at the border and somebody's like, nope, I'm going to shoot them all out of your hand. Like, you want to prevent me from doing, like, work that's going to change people's lives? Like, how It's yes. really crappy. Right. And Because,
0: yeah, you're doing this, this important justice work. And I think that all the people who see what's happening, who might otherwise be inspired to, to follow in your footsteps and do this kind of work, how many of them are going to see this and be like, "Oh, well, I don't want to do that." You know, it's like you're preventing the spread of justice in the world by, by you know, behaving in this way.
4: But you know, look, uh, the, I he can only he and others can only harass me if I allow myself to like feel harassed in some extent. Um, and it, it was only in the time when I felt like this is getting kind of dangerous, some of the rhetoric's getting dangerous, that I really felt stress over it. Um, but then I, I was like, my due diligence is that I've told my attorney, I've notified the platforms I've put everybody else on notice. Anybody who follows me knows now. Right. So others, hundreds of, if not thousands of people are watching him, um, watching and documenting everything. Cause he does have a history of like posting things and deleting them as if things disappear from the internet. Um, and so I've done my due diligence. <laughs> that's that's all I can do. And now I have to get back to my life. I also have kids. I've got a husband. I've got cats. I've got elderly parents. I have a garden. I have things to take care of. <laughs> I don't have time for this. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. How, how
0: do you take care of yourself? How do you make sure that, you know, the, the things that matter in your life are nurtured and protected during all of this?
4: I mean, look, when you're a working mom, I can't be like, hey, kids, I'm having a bad day. You're just going to have to feed yourselves and, <laughs> you know, drive yourself to school. <laughs> um, there are things that are non negotiable that you have to take care of every single day. And in a way, just having that there, like, um, it's a good distraction from like this meaningless stuff that's happening online, uh, in many instances. So I, I feel take I feel like I, I'm taking care of myself when I get my work done. When I, I, you know, it's, it's, I write 1500 words a day when I hit my 1500 words a day. Uh, and I've made sure that, you know, my family's got food for today, or I, I know we're getting takeout or I've made the plans. Um, and my plants aren't dying, and my parents are, you know, as long as I'm checking the boxes of the things that I need to do for the people who are important to me, then that's taking care of myself as well. That is how I take care of myself. that's so important. So how can folks who might be out there listening either support you during this time or support the criminal justice work that you're involved in now? Um well, you know, I just think it's important that, look, we do have free speech in this country, but, that means that we allow hate speech. I mean, the the First Amendment is actually created to protect the worst kind of speech possible. It's not created to protect the speech that everybody loves, right? So, but we also have to be able to identify and call out hate speech. So what I would say just to 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 help create a safer space um, in any kind of public discourse in the media, in social media uh, is to call out hate speech. say, this is hate speech. What you're doing and saying is hate speech. Um, report hate speech, you know, and then let the platforms decide what they're going to do with it. That's one way to make a more safer space for all of us online and even in real life. Um, but in order to support the justice work, I think, you know, the cases that we do at Undisclosed, we've covered about 25 cases from different parts of the country, just listening to the cases, reaching out to the defendants. You can find a lot of the information online. Writing to them, reaching out to your local—I mean, my work is pretty focused um, on innocence work, uh, but criminal justice reform is much broad. It is needed in a much more broader way. But certainly, you can reach out to your local innocence um, chapters to ask how you can support them. But believe me, there's a lot of incarcerated people behind bars who have not had visitors in years, who have nobody to write them, who have nobody to call. So in that way, Adnan is incredibly blessed. I mean, he's never not had family support and friends and, and people to visit him and love him, but there are so many people who have nobody. And so just finding organizations that can connect you to those kinds of people, writing letters once or twice a month, uh, you can change somebody's life like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the upcoming book? Oh yeah. It's a complete departure from any of the work that I've am known for. (laughs) It's called Fatty, Fatty Boom Boom. And it's a a memoir. Fatty, Fatty Boom Boom was one of my many childhood nicknames because I've always struggled with weight issues. Um, So the memoir is about food, fat, and family. And I think it'll resonate with a lot of people, a lot of people who've spent their lives struggling with, um, who love food and struggle with weight and have to deal with family. (laughs) (laughs) I love food, man. What can I do? I mean... um, Yeah, so, and my family loves food and they want to feed me, but also they want me to lose weight. It's like never kind of works out. Um, So, but it was a a fun write. It was fun to write it because it was very different than like uh, some of the more serious stuff that I do.
0: Our voices matter and we shouldn't have to put up with a digital landscape that just allows for our voices to be drowned out by harassment. I know it can be hard to speak up, to keep joining the conversation, to keep using our voices, but that's exactly what harassers want for us to just shut up and go away. And even as she's facing a flood of threats and harassment, Rabia hopes that other women, especially women of color,
4: won't let this kind of thing stop them. The only message I would want to leave with, um, especially to um, women of color, to people who are marginalized in any way um, in our society, is not to let people push you out of spaces. Don't ever let it happen. Just don't let it happen. Stand your ground.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us grow by subscribing. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? We'd love to hear from you at hello at tangodi.com. Disinformed is brought to you by There Are No Girls on the Internet. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our supervising producer and engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. For more great podcasts, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com
3: slash RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control?